This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, September 20th, 2019. I'm Caleb Brown. For those who want to go cashless, it's getting easier. But for the shrinking number of people who want to use cash for virtually all face-to-face transactions, it's getting far more difficult. Is it okay for the feds to help preserve your choice to use cash by banning cashless stores? Congress is thinking about it. Cato's Diego Zuluaga comments. Some stores are going cashless. These are retail establishments where you would otherwise be making a, a, a might otherwise be making a purchase in cash. But these are places that say, "Look, everybody's got a phone. These phones have uh, chips in them that allow people to to uh, spend money with us without pulling out a wallet. Allow or allows us to not have a cash register. Exactly, the money goes right into our account. Why is that considered uh, controversial?" Well, the argument is that there's a specific segment of the population that doesn't have bank accounts and doesn't have easy access to payment cards. And therefore, policies that prevent them from paying in cash effectively mean they can no longer uh, go to those establishments. Now, I happen to think that that argument is uh, a bit of an exaggeration and it doesn't reflect reality because if you look at surveys of the unbanked and underbanked in the United States, uh, it's only about 4%, 4.5% of households that don't have a bank account and don't regularly use prepaid cards. So this, the, the, the proportion of the population that, that's in this situation is already very small. And I think the reason they don't use prepaid cards, which are widely available, is that they are still able to deal in cash. So that actually not much of their purchasing activity is affected by cashless uh, policies on, on behalf of certain retail establishments. I mean, we have to think about this from the perspective of the store. If you're no longer taking cash, you will only do so if you don't expect it to have a significant impact on your customer base. If you're going to be denying a lot of your existing customers access to your products, then what's the point? I mean, sure, there are sort of marginal gains from not having to calculate change and go to the bank periodically and, you know, potentially robbery and so on. But you look at surveys and fewer and fewer people are using cash and fewer and fewer people are using cash for transactions of more than $10. The latest survey from the Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco suggests that 30% of transactions uh, are paid for in cash, and 55% of those under $10. But if you look across ages, it's older people pr- primarily who use cash. You know, uh, the, the rest are using Venmo, they're using debit and credit, and so on. And it, uh, it's relevant that it's the Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco that uh, to put this out, because you would expect the Bay Area to be one of the most advanced in using like non-cash payment uh, systems. So 30% in 2017 is what they reported. Uh, not insignificantly, uh, it's the was still the largest category of transactions. So for individual businesses to make that choice and say we're willing to give up potentially uh, a third of our transactions, or at least compel people to quickly switch. Uh, it's not an insignificant calculation. Right. I just think you have to look at how people spend their money. And I think what we will find is that a lot of the stores going cashless are not the ones that comprise the bulk of the expenditure on, on by, by, by people. It's not typically supermarkets and grocery stores. Uh, it won't be... Um, 
you know, necessarily uh, the, the other big items of expenditure. You know, if you pay your rent in cash, I don't think your landlord will refuse to take payment in cash if need be, although some will, uh, of course. So it's a question about the dollar value of transactions. And it also just suggests that this trend is something that's happening in certain uh, places and certain types of businesses that appeal to a specific demographic that doesn't use cash. But it's not really a widespread trend, no matter what uh, some more panicked news reports might suggest. So people might be wondering, why are you guys talking about this? And that is because the federal government has decided, or at least some parts of the federal government have decided to get involved. There are two bills uh, in front of the House of Representatives, uh, both from Democratic representatives, uh, banning policies that restrict the use of cash or or, uh, otherwise make stores cashless at the federal level. I have two problems with this. The first one is it's highly prescriptive and it doesn't really take account of the varied circumstances of businesses and also the freedom to choose. I mean, it is ironic that one of these bills is called the Payment Choice Act, when in fact it's taking away payment choice from one side of the transaction. But the second uh, issue is that cash by definition involves the physical exchange of goods. So what is the federal government's role in prescribing behavior one way or the other in this case? Why not let cities and states make their own decisions? It's not like they are not able to do so. San Francisco just instituted a cashless ban. Philly did so earlier in the year. And uh, Massachusetts, as it happens, has had one since the 1970s. And New Jersey has had one since a few months ago. So, you know, there are moves at the lower level. I don't see a role here for the federal government to uh, to get involved. Is there a middle ground at all? Well, I think there is one, but I don't think it's one that will appeal to advocates of more regulation. You could um, make it so that businesses have to accept cash, but why would they not surcharge cash payments if they find it inconvenient or otherwise costly or risky to take cash? They might say, yes, you may either pay with plastic or with Venmo or with Google Pay or Apple Pay, or you may use cash, but you'll have to pay a dollar extra or we have a 2% charge. This is ironic because, of course, most of our experience with surcharges is the other way around. If you don't pay in cash, then you have to pay something extra because these other media typically charge a transaction fee. But we could move to a world where cash becomes so relatively inconvenient and other payment media so much cheaper that we have the opposite. And this would be regressive. Um, so I, th- I think the, the middle ground really is to let businesses choose and decide on the basis of the people who buy from them. Um, Ironically, a lot of the difficulty in in having more people at the lower end of the income spectrum be able to use cards and other media is regulation. Uh, After the financial crisis under uh, Dodd-Frank, a number of different regulations were put in place uh, that made it more difficult for low-income people to get credit cards. And by capping the Is this fees, the so-called Durbin Amendment? That's another one. That's the one I was about to get to. This is the CARD Act. The CARD Act restricted uh, the extent to which, um, as your credit score changes, your credit card issuer can change the terms of the contract. Uh, but the Durbin Amendment is more relevant because low-income people tended to, at the time to use debit much more. And Durbin capped the fees that uh, banks could charge on debit card transactions. And as a result of that, they stopped not only providing debit cards for free, but also for free checking accounts became much harder to come by so that low-income people had less of an incentive to open a bank account. So what we see now really is the ramifications of regulation slowing down take-up of more efficient electronic payment media that um, 
that would benefit everybody and, and everybody might have access to uh, in, in different circumstances. Of course, another irony of this whole thing is that for a long time, government has been discouraging enterprise from dealing in cash anyway, because they don't want tax evasion and they don't want money laundering. And a way to do so is by making all transactions traceable by having electronic uh, payments. So this is sort of the federal government attempting to solve the problems that previous quote unquote solutions have created. And it's, it's, it's interesting because the uh, a lot of businesses that are dealing uh, with, let's say, sensitive or legally unclear products, that is to say, exotic dancers or purveyors of marijuana or purveyors of guns have, in many cases, had a difficult time getting bank accounts thanks to federal regulation. Absolutely right. And those are the, the ones who genuinely have difficulty in accumulating so much cash. Because a lot of these transactions are sizable, they actually end up being the sort of transactions that in any other environment wouldn't happen mostly in cash. So you end up with marijuana dispensaries having tens of thousands of dollars on a regular trading day and making them very vulnerable to assault and, and, and theft and so on. Uh, so it's, uh, it's, it's interesting how regulation has all manner of ramifications that are unintended, uh, but also how the same thing may cause something to get worse at the same time as it doesn't solve uh, a different problem. Diego Zuluaga is a policy analyst at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. 